From Relay FM, this is the Pen Addict, episode 550. Today's show is brought to you by Pen Chalet. My name is Mike Hurley. I'm joined by Brad Dowdy. Hi, Brad. Hello, Mike. How are you today? I'm very good, my friend. I'm very good indeed. Episode 550. It's just mm-hmm. a good, good one getting up there, you know? It's a big number. It's a big number. We're, we're, we have crossed the threshold where we only cel- celebrate maybe every 100 or so, maybe every 250 episodes now. Yep. <laughs> we got our, uh, we're into the big number range. We should uh, hopefully provide the last piece of follow-up um, in See regards what? to the Spymaster pen. Yeah, you want to celebrate the number 007? I wished. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they have, since the last episode, uh, somebody, some agent, mm-hmm. some double agent over at Montegrappa has added my name to the, the <laughs> quote. So it now says Mike Hurley, the pen addict. <laughs> Still nobody yeah. has contacted me or told me that I mean, there's a pen on the way. So right. I'm going to no assume tracking this is number the end. Has been no, sent. nothing. Well, not yet. But mm, yet. still none. Mm-hmm. So we could probably assume this is the end of this saga. Unless yeah. someone wants to surprise and delight me. You know what I mean? Right, right. Well, like we we've gotten to a little bit to the source and, and you know, they 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 are who we thought they were kind mm-hmm. of uh situation. Uh which is great. Like I love every minute of this. This is We have our own spies. This has been a great a great bit of um of stealth marketing uh, <laughs> for the 007 uh, accidental, accidental, but uh, still love the pen, still love what it is. And uh, we were talking offline, like mm-hmm. I'm already interested what's next because mm-hmm. we talk about how, how well Montegrappa executes this and how it surprises us that they can do this like five times a year where they have just these wild creations and like, yeah, like that's Montegrappa's thing and they do it as good, if not better than anyone. And, and, uh, we both, we both really appreciate uh, what they're doing as a company. So it's, uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. I also yep. got some follow up from Colton. So mm-hmm. we ref- referred to, uh, what was previously novel pens mm-hmm. as Novela, right? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Because mm-hmm. and we weren't sure how to say it, mm-hmm. Colton wrote in with a link to a Reddit thread on the Penchalay subreddit, mm-hmm. saying uh, this is from this is from Penchalay, so this was posted by somebody at Penchalay, so it was like mm-hmm. on their on their subreddit. I want to just read this: Narwhal is Narvaler is Narwhal, the name mystery. Ever since Narwhal pens changed their name, I've been unsure how to pronounce the new name. N-A-H-V-A-L-U-R. So when Frank visited their offices, uh, it says yesterday, so this was a couple of weeks ago, actually, I asked him about the pronunciation issue. I know the word novela is the Icelandic orthography of the English word narwhal, but I just wasn't sure how to pronounce it. When I asked Frank, he said it's pronounced narwhal. <laughs> so basically... Mm-hmm. The brand's name went from Narwhal to Navalur, but stayed Narwhal. So I suppose I'll stop using random pronunciations in videos. <laughs> so the way you pronounce that word mm-hmm. is Narwhal. I mean, technically, no. <laughs> but um, from, from, from an Icelandic point of view, no. That's not how it's pronounced. But from a brand point of view, 
that's what Frank has said all along from the beginning. Mm-hmm. It's just hard to look at that word, how it's spelled, and say narwhal. But like, I'm fine just saying narwhal over mm-hmm. and over again. Like, it's fine. It's narwhal. just spelled a different way. Yeah. <laughs> Except that's not how you pronounce it either. It's like impossible for us to pronounce. So this one is of one of those words. things where this is like totally fine written down, right? Mm-hmm. This is no issue, um, right? Because it's just what it is. You just read it and you read it in your brain. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. The issue is when it comes to stuff like what we're doing, where right, we have to try and say it. It's like, well, it is narwhal, technically. Right. We can't call it that because it's not that. Right, but right. Then, and like when I when I get a box with like the new word mark on it, yeah. it's like, ah, that kind of breaks my brain to say narwhal, even though like I'm, I'm pretty good at it. Like I'm just going to keep going with narwhal. So we will probably continue to butcher the Icelandic and say <laughs> narvala. But I just thought that was interesting. Uh, I actually, I, maybe I'd forgotten, but I, I, I knew it was an Icelandic word. I did not know it was mm-hmm. the Icelandic word for narwhal, which obviously yeah, yeah, makes yeah. sense, right? But mm-hmm. there you go. Yep, and I've, I've gotten the pronunciations, like, and we've gone over this a thousand times, like, I've got the pronunciations. There's other pronunciations online. I have someone that speaks Icelandic record it, how to say it, and it, it would just be impossible for you and I to say. Even they were having difficulty Sometimes saying it. It's a very difficult word to I've found this like with, with some languages. Like I have this with Romanian um, mm-hmm. where there are just sounds mm-hmm. that Romanian people can easily make with their mouths that I cannot Right. right, like because right. I, I just can't do it. So I can't. This isn't really pertinent to Romanian, although it comes up a few times. But in some languages, like in Spanish or whatever, I can't roll my R's, mm-hmm. and like that's just a thing I can't do. Like I can't produce that noise. And there are sometimes you can try your best, but you won't succeed. Yeah, like this word has like this very tricky, almost like an oosh sound at the end, mm-hmm. which is just it's not. It's 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 hard to it's hard to produce for someone who's not like a native speaker. So yeah, very interesting. Novel. Um. All right, let's get into um a kind of a little bit of a follow up from one product we got asked about last week. I said let's hold and talk about it this week, and that is the Shown Design Monarch nib. And then I also kind of want to tie in some other reviews of products I've done and the team has done on the blog recently, just because they involve products that we get a lot of questions about. Um, let's, let's start off with the Monarch nib. Now that Ian Schoen has released the first batch into the, like the January buyer's hands, um, at the Philadelphia pin show, if you were on the first round of orders for the Monarch nib and you were able to be at the Philadelphia pin show, you could do a pickup there. And Kimberly from the pen Attic blog who, who writes, uh, at the pen Attic was there and had ordered one. So she did a review up on the blog and it's it's fantastic. Like I love everything about this. I knew I was going to like this from the jump. Like this is the kind of interesting creation and experimentation that we like to see as consumers of interesting stationery. Um Ian's trying to solving a problem is is not the right word but he's trying to create something that's really technically mm-hmm. difficult right he's he doesn't want to just make like your simple basic nib he wants to put his engineering brain stamp on it and the monarch nib is what he's come up with and it looks like he's executed extremely well right like kimberly's review is pretty much glowing um which i would expect so if you're not familiar with the Monarch nib, we'll have a link in the show notes to go read Kimberly's mm-hmm. review where she shows off 
her handwriting with the nib and the different line types she can create. Um, it's a wider nib, um, you know, a line width, you know, it's like a standard medium, almost a broad type of line width on the page. And which is why I've held off on the first round because they will eventually talking with Ian, there will eventually be some finer nib options, which I'll wait for. But I always love to see these types of things support this kind of creativity, even though it's like it's really, really expensive. Um, you know, like it's $400 for the nib and a pen barrel, which like I think it's completely fair, like knowing what goes into this. But that doesn't mean it's also not very expensive at the same in the same hand. Um I want to see, you know, again, like we talk about this with a lot of different products. Most recently, the Curidos. I want to see round two because I love what I see from round one. And like, I am excited about the future of a product like this and seeing hopefully someone able to continue to make what is really like a very technically challenging product, a very expensive product and see how it goes for shown design in the big picture. So what were your thoughts reading through this review yourself? Like, did you, or is this something you're even interested in? I'm interested in the result mm-hmm. because it looks like an, a, a ink distribution that I would enjoy. Like, Yes. It looks chunky and round. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. I really like the lines that Kimberly's able to produce on these pages. Like it this interests me. This definitely interests me. Um I I would love to this would just be something that before I buy I would love to try. Exactly. Just to make and, sure that, that it works with my handwriting. Because again, it's like and I don't know, but if Kimberly's left-handed or right-handed, but you just, I'm right-handed. just never sure. Okay. So I'm just never sure about these things, like a new thing like this until I try it. Because sometimes I come across like some really weird edge cases for being a lefty and with my overhook writing style. So yeah, I'd like to try it. It yep. looks great to me. Yeah. It looks like something like initially like is more suited for you from a line perspective than me. But I would be the person that would be more like risk tolerant to just go ahead and jump in where uh, it would make sense for like you to wait and see. Mm-hmm. Um, but like we each have our own reasons to like both wait and see. Like I think this is kind of the prime example of, hey, let me be patient and get the opportunity to try this because it's no small sum of money uh, for one and it, for something that may not be like a really great solution for just my general writing or your general writing, things like that. So it's kind of one of those very important to try before you buy situations, right? Unless you're just, unless you like to be on the bleeding edge of things, which like generally I'm good with that. Like there's a lot of times where I'll just go in blind to a product and just go and, and like, I'm good going first. This one I'm okay with going second on or third or whenever, like I'll get the opportunity to have like a more perfect writing nib for myself. I didn't want to get the first one and say, yeah, this is great, except I'm not going to use it because I don't like the line with I'm, I'm willing to wait. I think that's perfectly fair. Yep. So uh, I know Ian will be at a lot of pin shows this year 
And hopefully, even if at pen shows he's not, if you're lucky enough to have a pen show nearby you, I bet you can go to one and maybe, you know, pen shows after dark. There might be a, yeah. a Monarch nib or two uh, floating around the table for you to test. Like, that's what I, I look forward to getting able to test this out. In Baltimore, I believe Shown Design will be there. Yeah, they will be at the Baltimore pen show. So I will test them there, if nothing else. And maybe I'll end up with one of the standard ones. But I'll be looking forward to uh, the next round when I can get a, uh, a finer nib. Maybe it will go right into my peak fountain pen, which is a shown design uh, model. So this is specific one's called the peekaboo um, because it has a little ghost to reference the material, which as I explained in my review, it's like Ultim mic that has become a popular uh, pen barrel material. You know, the amber translucent Ultim that was used basically in like medical device and part manufacturing peak is a similar type of plastic right it's a really durable you know material that's really not designed wasn't originally designed obviously for fountain pens it was designed for small parts in mechanical devices that needed to last a long time and wear well and things like that and people discovered oh hey this actually makes a pretty decent pin barrel as well because it's really durable. You can make it with thin walls and you can, you know, shape yep. it into, you know, traditional fountain pen shape. So I wanted to be sure. Polyether ether ketone. Thank you. So AKA peak. Peak. So peak. And then peak. Uh, has a little peekaboo ghost on there, which uh, Ian, uh, <laughs> yeah, Ian lasered into, into the caps, which I think is just a fantastic little touch because let's be just straight up. I mean, a lot of people probably think this pen is just completely ugly, right? Like it's this taupe brown looking thing. That's that's the color of the plastic. Ian didn't say, hey, this is the colorway we're going to make in these pens. It's not like an acrylic where you're mixing up colors and ending up with, you know, the color, the end result color you want. Like this is the color of the material, right? Ultim comes in the amber color and in a black color. Peak comes in this taupe brown color. Um, you know, and I've, I've referred to it as like eighties, eighties computer case color, right? It's that kind of beigey Brown. It's, it's not beautiful, <laughs> right? But in a fountain pen format, it's pretty killer. Like I really, really like it as a color. Once I get in a nib that I like and have a certain ink color coming off of it, the entire package of the peak pen I'm all about. So again, this is one that I, I was willing to wait on, right? I didn't jump at the first batch that came out. Oh, let me see what people think about them. And I was able to get mine secondhand, right? Which I'm very prone to buying pens on the secondary market. I don't mind doing that whatsoever, especially for something like this. That's just going to be like the ultimate durable pen. Like I'm not worried about its condition or anything like that. So yeah, it is, it is an oddly enjoyable fountain pen. If you are into kind of like the the weird kind of tech behind fountain pens even though this looks yeah. like a traditional basic round fountain pen it's made with something kind of cool and you have a little story to tell and um you had a question um that i referred to a lot in the review about how light this pen is and it could be too light for some people right i think that was your concern that was what i was going to ask because like, you mentioned the weight of the pen 
mm-hmm. um, what, 15 grams. 15 I feel like grams. I would pick that up and it would hit the ceiling. Like it would just leave my hand. <laughs> and that's with the nib and the, a full ink converter in it. Yeah. <laughs> it is it is airy. It is an ultralight pen. Same with the Ultim that Shone makes. Um, Ian has thin walls on these barrels. Like something like my Kasama pen has a thick Ultim wall. So it's got a little bit more density to it, right? Um, these are very thin walls and you're able to manufacture these thin walls because of the durability of the pen. It is an ultralight pen. It is going to be too light for some people. It, I made an odd comment, but I thought it was appropriate, not saying that they're in the same category of pen, but they're in the same category of feel in the hand as an, a Nakaya, right? So like my Nakaya portable Mm. i've always said how it just kind of fits in your hand and you don't realize it there it's there because it's so light it's airy it's it's hard to describe that feel in words and the peak is the same feel right not in the not in the arushi like the warm arushi ebonite finish but just in the same like technical aspects of being an ultra light pen and uh, this is one of them and i think some people will find them to be too light so it's just an interesting material um, I like this kind of stuff. Like this is one of my type of, of things that I get into when I see fountain pens in non-standard materials. Um, that's kind of one of my like focuses that, that really piques my interest, uh, right out the gate. And I'm, I'm glad to, to have this one to go alongside my Ultim. Uh, I also have the Shone Design Ultim. Uh, as well and i it's almost it's funny i kind of prefer the peak which is surprising to me so it's a it's it's a great pen and a very unique type of feel again not for everybody but um it's it's something pretty cool that i i very very much enjoy and i i think that's kind of the theme with this third review i wanted to uh talk about here at the beginning of the show uh not for everybody the plotter the entire plotter system it's not for everybody like i'm very clear on that Um, that more so unlike the Monarch or the peak, even though they're expensive products, Mm. like I think people can understand the pricing on that. I think the plotter does have a little bit of a higher barrier to entry, just like mentally, right? Like I'm spending how much on a notebook setup, right? Like, like you're probably spending $200 to get into the plotter system, right? Like, no, because you have to pick up um a cover like and they're usually leather um they're they're working on some non-leather versions that i've i've seen at at san francisco that hopefully are coming out this year um and then you have to add all the accessories and you just end up buying this whole a la carte system and it ends up costing you a pretty penny like i said i've got over 200 dollars into mine the thing is mike i use it literally every day many times a day so is it worth it to me absolutely it's been it's been worth it to me right but i get the pushback on the pricing like it is not a product for everyone and i will absolutely hand raise to that it is it is not for everyone just because of the the barrier to entry what i like about uh, let me back up mine was a bit of a process to get into the right size. Yeah. So I had the A5 size originally. I thought, okay, you know me. I love A5, everything. Give me all the A5s. Yeah. And what I found with my original plotter uh-huh. 
was that it was it was great, but I never chose to use it as much as I would some of my standard A5 notebooks. Whether what my Hobonichi planner that was also an A5, it was just like one more A5 on top of the stack of the A5s that I got, and it yeah. kind of got pushed aside. Right? Yeah. It wasn't good enough to be an all-in-one system for me. And it was never unique enough to push all these other things aside that I was already using. So my A5 plotter, I like I sat on it for like a year and used it off and on, like trying and trying. I was like, this is expensive. This is good. I enjoy it. Why doesn't this work for me? And then the more I started to see from plotter and the more sizes I kind of got looks at from different people and how people were, were using different things, the smaller sizes were exactly what I was looking for because I was looking for more portability in my plotter or in, in a notebook that I wanted to use. And this kind of came up at the same time as I was using my A5 Hobonichi Cousin 2022 as my planner, which is a one page per day planner. I was kind of winding down. Like I, I probably may have had a good seven months run with that, which is pretty solid. And then I just kind of like one page a day was a lot for me. So I went back into my all time favorite kind of planner layout plotter has, which is a two page per week layout, um, which I used in my William Hanna before that I've used in traveler's diaries before that. And I found that having a little planner system in this thinner, the, it's called the Plotter Narrow notebook, mm-hmm. along with the regular notebook pages, which were just good for notes, like just jotting down notes, ideas, brainstorming, lists, things like that, as opposed of opposed to having like a one large uh, A5 notebook to write all these things down. That was good. And then I could add in like a monthly calendar and I could add in a... um you know, to-do list little pages that I will just have like these one-off, hey, do this, that boom, yeah. that will go in, go in the list. And I ended up building this notebook that is now perfect for me, even though it took me quite a while to get there um, to figure it out. And so I kind of wanted to break that down in a blog post. So I, I have that out there on the blog now. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting product. This is like a perfect for me product. Um, in the end, I got to pick out you know, it, it was a little bit cool for me because I was at the San Francisco pen show and they were building, you know, notebooks there. And I got to pick out the leather and I got to pick out the hardware and I got to pick out the inserts all there. So it was my little build a bear uh, factory oh. at the San Francisco pen show uh, this past summer. And I've used this. I, this has been my sidekick ever since. It's great. I'm going to, going to have to legally, uh, you know, on sidekick, we're going to have to have some conversation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's probably because that's fresh in my head. Like, I, I can know, literally I'm see it. Well, well, no, the I reason can we see call it, it sidekick it. notepad is because enough <laughs> products already exist with the name sidekick. Um, yeah. I had a few questions for you on this. One, what is this paper size? Um, Which Potter standard Nero? paper size does the Potter 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 conform to? <laughs> oh, wait a second. I'm sorry. Is this a unique paper size brad it's it's a5 slim ish oh oh there's an ish in there oh oh i see i see okay also uh you chose a two millimeter grid yeah yeah your handwriting um, does not conform to that my friend i don't know if anybody's no. told you <laughs> why no, did you choose no. the two millimeter grid 
I like that better than blank or line just to have some kind oh, of Oh, do they only have there. two millimeter grid then? Um, no, they do a five millimeter dot oh. and then they have a blank. Okay. Um, I don't I don't think there's lined. So there are choices. I like, like we've always talked about grid like mm-hmm. throughout the history of this show is I look at it as more of a blank page, right? Yeah. So like I can... I can forego seeing the mass amount of lines on there. Yeah. What about the dots um, though? Like why not? I'm, I'm just yeah, the dots are cool. Like why not dots? No. Yeah. Like I, I think I would, I would choose dots maybe next okay. time just to something to try just for yeah. variety. Yeah. So yeah, it's dot. Um, oh, they do have a rule there. There's a six millimeter rule. I haven't noticed that before. So, um, so yeah, ruled. you can get, yeah, I can't. I I greatly dislike rule I can't paper. do it. I just can't do it. I don't know why people like it. I don't get it. But We're gonna get no more power yeah. to you. You yes. everyone can like what they like. Me and Brad just don't get it. Like I get that for like bulk writing and copying. Like if you need the alignment for that, but yeah. just the, the way I, you and I use notebooks, that would be. I, I would use literally everything else in the world before lined if yeah. that was my choice. Yeah. So uh, like even reticle, which reticle is not my favorite because um, they that, that one actually doesn't disappear on the page like um, grids or dots to me. Reticle is a little bit more intimidating, but lined is just the worst. So, so what's the name of this refill that you're using that you got the pictures of here? Like what do they call it? Um, it, the The size is called narrow. Right. The the refills, so I have the two millimeter grid sheets, I have a to do list sheet, and then I have the planner sheets, like the weekly schedule, uh, weekly re- schedule sheets. Refill. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the one I think that's mm-hmm. sold out right now. Oh, okay, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's a that's a great format for me. I first used it in the Traveler's Notebook has like an undated style of that, uh-huh. you know, that you would use. This is similar to the Traveler's Notebook, right? Where you have a cover, then you build out your inserts. Um so the traveler's version was an undated one, but it had seven days on the left and then blank on the right. And this one just is just happens to be dated. Like when I had the William Hanna, it was dated on the left and then blank on the right, which is uh, a good for how I like to lay out my week. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it works for me there. Um, but yeah, you, you, you got me good on the, uh, on the sizing standards. I was listening to you talk. Yeah. Um, they do all of this design themselves, like all of these different yeah. in, inserts and stuff. Yeah. I can't fathom how this... I think I said yeah. this when you first were talking about Plotter. I can't understand how they manage this. I don't get it. Right. It's so, so fascinating to me. It is, but think of Plotter as a sub-brand of a larger company. So the overarching company is called Design Fill. Guess who oh, they yeah. own, Mike? Midori. Yeah, okay. Guess who they own? travelers they have the, you know? the the ability right they have all of these yeah. like massive skew systems yeah. i mean more than any these other Brad, brands i look at this and i'm like how do they have the design power right but i guess if mm-hmm. they're, they're you know there is like a team of people that they would need yeah. to design mm-hmm. just the layouts of these products like this is hard stuff to work out yeah, so there's not crossover, even though Design Fill as a brand has uh-huh. all of those sub brands, right? There's no, there each individual brand has their own unique designs, like you're saying. These are all uniquely plotter designs that has to have their own team. Yep. And they were doing it for three or four years in Japan before they had the USA yep. launch, which is when I've gotten into it. Yep. So uh, they've only been around five years as a total brand, but much of that was started in Japan. So they had kind of got the the groundwork 
handled like on the front end in Japan, got everything going and then, uh, have, have moved into the U S market, um, which is, you know, the, you know, where I'm buying from the, like the plotter USA site, but it is a, a sub brand of a larger company who is well versed in having the system type of notebooks and setups. Like there's other brands under the design field name that aren't even available in the U S just Japan only, and even some more higher end than plotter. If you can imagine. That's fascinating. Yep. Yep. So, um, I, I am, I'm digging it. I I'm all in on that. So like I use that and then I have just like an a five journal, like my everything notebook. Mm -hmm. And you know, that's kind of like the majority where the majority of my writing goes these days. Then I have some few, just like scrap notebooks laying around, you know, just like on my desk, you know, have the sidekick or just like a notepad and things like Mm -hmm. that. But like, as far as like my, my bound where all like the work, goes or where all like the ideas go yeah it's pretty much this this plotter now and uh, i'm glad i found this non-standard size (laughs) some enjoyment from the non-standard size i guess i need to shut up now about that Uh, you you've really uh you've really made me consider my life choices up to this point that's what i'm here for Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. this episode is brought to you by our friends over at pen chalet they sell the very best products from all of your favorite brands whether you're looking for a new fountain pen maybe you want some inks maybe you want some ink refills not just bottles they also sell refills you're looking for accessories you're looking for a new mechanical pencil it doesn't matter they have it you can go and take a look at their vast and ever-growing offering over at Pen Chalet. They are an authorized dealer of all of your favorite brands. They run special discounts twice a month, including closeout specials every two weeks as well. So you're always going to find new products being added and new discounts as well. Pen Chalet believe in fast and reliable customer service. They want you to be happy. They have low prices on high-quality pens, but they also offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee. They sell internationally with great shipping rates, and if you're in the U.S., you'll get free shipping on orders over $75, which is very easy to get to at Panchalai. But we can save you some money. As always, if you go to panchalai.com, P-E-N-C-H-A-L-E-T.com, and click the podcast link at the top of the website, use the password PENADDICT to get a code that you need to save 10% off anything over at Panchalai at any time, and also to feast your eyes on a cavalcade of offers available to you as a pen addict listener what you got there's a ridiculous deal on the diplomat arrow right now so it's not only a ridiculous deal on the arrow itself it's a gift set it comes with a bottle of ink and a pen case and the price is so low this is one of the pens we're going to talk about update to my top five pens uh page here in a minute but on the top five fountain pens, one hundred to two hundred dollars, I have the Diplomat Arrow in at number five. Uh-huh. Um, this price puts it <laughs> in a very unique place on that list. So, um, if you've ever considered the Arrow as a pen, I you're never going to see a price as low as this one. Um, they also have the Diplomat Traveler, which I haven't used, but it's a it's a more entry level price point mm-hmm. uh, Diplomat pen, and I've had good luck with um, pretty much everything from Diplomat's lineup. So uh, that's very cool. Um, Interestingly enough, one you never see um, marked down at all is the Kaweco AC Sport. That's the carbon fiber inlay models of the Sport. Um, They just don't go on sale that much, and not that I've ever seen, to be perfectly honest. So that's a really cool option here. And uh, yeah, gosh, I'm still scrolling down this never-ending list. Yeah, so, oh, uh, the Diplomat Magnum, that is their real entry-level fountain pen and we're talking like 
a, a price that's just like a like an add-on type of price if you're looking for a good quality entry-level fountain pen on the Diplomat. Um, I reviewed that on the blog. I reviewed it very, very well. Uh, it's just a really great great quality, and uh, that's something you want to you know try for yourself or try as a, like a gift for someone uh, just because the price is so great. So yeah, great stuff out there on Pen Chalet right now. P-E-N-C-H-A-L-E-T dot com. Click uh, the podcast link at the top of the website and use the password PENADDICT to get your hands on these special offers. Our thanks to Pen Chalet for their continued support of the Pen Addict and Relay FM. All right, Mike. So I have been working for I don't know, a few months mm-hmm. on um, updating the top five pins page from top to bottom. Like, you know, I started probably like last fall, last winter. Um, doing some of like the really challenging like fountain pen categories like I think those are super challenging because of the variance in those categories there's a lot of change and so as the the months have gone I have been updating all kinds of lists on here and we're pretty much down to the last batch that I wanted to do even though I'm gonna have a couple more updates but these are probably kind of the last ones um, that are worth maybe like discussing individually so the multi pens top five list, the ballpoint pens top five five list, and the mechanical pencils top five list. All categories that I enjoy um, using, working with. I find the multi pens list to be interesting when I went to go update this. That unlike the ballpoint list or unlike uh, the mechanical pencil list, there hasn't been a lot of change in here. There hasn't hmm. been a lot of innovation. Um, it's been mostly, uh, reskins of existing products, right? Mm. Hey, this product's good. Let's make another color or, Hey, this product's good. Let's do another collaboration and so on and so forth. There are, there were a couple of new ones on the list. Um, and a new kind of ranking. And I, I, I guess long story short, I'm rethinking how I think about recommending multi pins, I guess is the best way to okay. say it. So in the past, like I've had the high tech C Kalito at the top of the list and it's, it's just uniquely great. It's a, it's a great multi pen. It's a little bit more specific than what I now have at the top of the list, which is the Jetstream three color. So what the Jetstream three color offers is ease of use. It is simple and extremely high quality for a great price. I think it's like under $10. You get blue ink, black ink, and a pencil refill, right? And it's the Jetstream ink, and the Jetstream ink is awesome. Mm-hmm. And you get the options to have, you know, the two ink colors and the one pencil insert. It's built really well, and it just works. Like, you just pick it up and go, right? So it's... I found that it's probably a better recommendation to make than the Kalito, which requires a little bit more work. So the Kalito is still on the list. Don't get me wrong. But I think I was, the more I thought about this, the more I thought about how just classic, like the, the classic big four color is and people like the ease of use of a multi pen. So I even went simpler with the number two choice, which is the Tombow monograph multi two. Um, just like the Jetstream three color, this one has two colors. So you get like a black ballpoint and a 0.5 millimeter pencil, and it's even cheaper than the Jetstream. And it's just built so well and it's so enjoyable to use to just have a pen and a pencil in one barrel 
that looks cool, feels great, is going to be durable, is high quality writer. And, you know, that's kind of new for how I'm thinking about this multi-pin category, right? I just think like ease of use is has really kind of ramped up for my thought process behind these. Third on the list is the Kalito. The Kalito might be the coolest one on this list mm-hmm. because you can get, I don't know, there's 20 different barrel options from three color to five color, you know, different, different plastics, different styles. You can really customize it, you know, to your style and, you know, whether you want like a all black stealth look or a hot pink translucent look, you know, you can do all kinds of things. And then they have, I don't know, another 20 or 30 refill options, right? This is the build your own style of Kalito where the, where the first the first two pins you just get what you get. Yeah. This one you you build. Which is you, fun. You buy a barrel, you buy your inks, right? Yeah. They have so many um colors too. Like I remember doing one of these back in the day. Like and you can buy a ton of extras and swap them out really yep. easily yourself. Like the Kalito is my favorite in this category for that reason, just because mm-hmm. it's like you can you can really kind of go wild with it. Um, yeah. Even though you know, and I also think that like uh, it's the most comfortable high tech C, like to, yes. to to hold and use because they make the barrel a bit chunkier and stuff. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's probably still my personal favorite. Like in my old IT job, I lived off the Kalito, right? Because I would mm-hmm. have like my notebook, and then I would have like a three color pen where I would. Um, color coordinate my notes and I could pick whatever colors I want and you know I could get like a blue black and a sky blue and a pink and like that would be my colors and then I'd have a different three color with like lime green and yellow and and regular blue or something like that so yeah like it's really cool like it's it's definitely the most unique multi-pen it's it's a little bit difficult to recommend because you have to say hey here's all the things you need to think about when you go buy a pilot high tech Mm -hmm. Colito. if you're down with that awesome um, and you should also buy extra refills because you will burn through them like nobody's business, right? These gel ink refills, you just mm. fire through these smaller capacity refills. So um, it, it's still it's still great. The fourth item on the list is the Rotring 600. Um, this one is a little bit different. So multi-pins have this kind of entry-level price point, like these two that I mentioned up top, the Jetstream and the Tombow Mono. The Kalito is not overly expensive. Like you can get into a Kalito for probably less than $10. Like if you just bought the least expensive barrel and three refills, probably 10 or 12 bucks. And then you have companies that like to make the larger metal barrel um, multi-pens. You know, Lamy has a great one. And there's some other companies that have, you know, your 50 to $100 um higher end style of multi-pin and the rotring is up in that category for quality but price wise it's it's 46 dollars when i reviewed it and like i thought that was extremely low for like the quality of the pen and what you get and compared to the rest of the market i thought it was i thought it was pretty cool so um i've enjoyed using that one like pretty continuously it's just a neat pen you know i love rotrings and like the 600 style is just just great, and to see that translated into like a pen like this, it's is a classic. Cool. So, yeah, it's, it's a classic. classic. And like Rotring is doing like they're on this like 
I don't know, this modernization kick where not everything is just silver or black anymore. So like the one I reviewed was blue with the red mm-hmm. markings. So like wait, they did the original 600 mechanical pencil in that blue with red and they did the red one and they did the green one. And now they're transferring those colorways into these products. And I think it looks fantastic. So um, last one is one that I need to review and it's the Pilot Juice Up 3. So... This is more in line with the first two, the Jetstream three color and the Tombow Monograph, where you just buy the, the you buy like a preset type of pen. Um, but this has the great Pilot Juice Drink, uh, Juice Drink, <laughs> Juice Gel Ink refills. <laughs> also, Juice Drinks don't drink the ink. I'll probably not do that. Um, but yeah, like it doesn't have the broad options like the Kalito. Again, like no one's going to beat the Kalito. Like there's the Uni style fit, um, which I just don't think is as, as good as the Kalito. Um, but you get the, the juice up. It's it's a thinner barrel, right? So one of the challenges that I always have with multi-pins is if the barrel gets too wide, right? There's a balance, right? You have to give up some of the barrel diameter to fit the multitude of refills you want to put in there. Mm-hmm. But there is a tipping point where it gets too wide. Um, so the juice up just does a good job of keeping a narrower barrel than some of these other pins. So yeah, that is my multi-pin breakdown. Um, ballpoint pens. I say that the multi pen doesn't have, didn't have that much like, you know, new technology in there, even though it kind of does, there's like some new shapes and designs. You can kind of say that with the ballpoint pen too, there's like a little bit of change in there that I like to see, but the ballpoints are really like, it's your, your stalwarts are here, right? The jet stream is number one, like, and there should just be like a line of demarcation after that, right? It's jet streams, number one, and there's everything else. The pilot Acroball is pilots attempted the jet stream and it's good. Like, I really like how the Acroball writes. Mm. You just have way more options in the jet stream. And I think the ink performance is a little bit better, even though I thoroughly enjoy the Acroball. The Zebra Blend is Zebra's Jetstream idea, these hybrid ballpoint inks. And it's a newer pen. I shockingly like the barrel marketing <laughs> that they're putting out there for this. I'm like, okay, fine. Yeah. It works. It's very nice. It's very comfortable. It is very limited in options, even less so than the Acroball. Um, so if Zebra leans into this, over the next few years, like it could be up there in number two. They have a long, anyone has a long way to go to uh, compete with the jet stream. This is out of all the lists. I'd have to go look at them all. Like this is one of the biggest outliers from number one to number two um, around number four. I have to have the big crystal. Like we talked about it last week in that, um, in that pick them game that we played. I, I, it's uniquely great. Like it's great. Like I just love the bit crystal. I love using it. I love the looking at it. I love the idea of it. I love the simplicity of it. I love the ubiquitousness of it. And I would recommend it. Um, you know, it's the first ballpoint ink on this list. That's not a hybrid ballpoint, which is what most people don't really care about that stuff. If they're just grabbing a pen, but that's how good this pen is, right? If you're not in the hybrid ink category, I think you're picking the bit crystal. It's that good. And then I capped off the the fifth selection with the Fisher Space Pen. I think it has to be there, uh, almost on a technicality, <laughs> right? It's so good at what it does. It's like the jet stream of the 
pressure refills, right? Like if you need the pressurized refill for certain writing situations, it there's nothing that's better than the Fisher Space Pen. And I think it makes the list because once you get out of these top five ballpoint pens, everything else is the same, right? It's just like, okay, do I like this design of this pen? Because the refill is just going to be the same as literally everything. Like, I love the Caran Dash 849. If I was making my own list, it would probably be number two behind the Jetstream, right? If I was making Brad's list, but this isn't my list. Um, but I love that pen, but you know, it's, it's in the same category as everything else. The Parker Jotter is another one, right? It's a classic, great ballpoint pen. Super awesome click, Mike, as uh, we very well know. And it's a great pen. Like that could be someone's number one pen, just like the Caran Dash 849 could be my number one pen, right? It's, mm-hmm. it just doesn't make a recommendations list. Like the Caran Dash is like 25, 25 bucks for like a base one, right? That's, it's just not going to make my list over, you know, when I'm someone saying, hey, give me a good ballpoint pen that I can just use every day. Um, you know, I'm a student or, you know, I just need to take notes in the office. But if they say, hey, I like ballpoints, I want something with a nicer barrel, then we start getting into, hey, take a look at the Caran Dash 849, things like that, right? That's not what I'm trying to solve here. So those are good. Last one, Mike. Um, Pretty, I don't know, pretty light turnover in the mechanical pencils, even though I do think there's some cool stuff happening in the mechanical pencil range. And this might actually be maybe even more over the next couple of years, some transition in and out of these lists, but it's really hard to beat the top three on this list, which is the Rotring 600, which we refer to in the um, multi-pen category. The pencil has been around uh, longer and is is just... mechanical pencil. It is the mechanical pencil, right? Um, But I get the fact that it may not be as far ahead as number uh, number two on the list as like I think the Jetstream is ahead of the Acroball because of the Mm -hmm. price, right? It's a thirty plus dollar mechanical pencil. It's worth it. It's worth every penny. It has withstood the test of time. It has withstood everything. Like it is really one of the best stationary products ever made. Number two on the list is the Pentel Sharp, and you could have the same arguments with that, except it's a plastic barrel pencil. It's about 7 or $8. It's been around for 50 years. It's just hard to beat these types of pencils, right? And, you know, ranking them one or two, I, I'm always going to recommend the 600 over pretty much anything else as far as a mechanical pencil. But I do have to consider like, okay, maybe not everyone wants, wants to spend 30 bucks on a mechanical pencil. Like I get that. Then you start to look at the Pentel Sharp. Number three is the Uniball Kuratoga, right? You can get the base level Kuratogas for about six bucks. They're fantastic. Did you consider um, the dive? <laughs> I did not. Okay. I did not consider the dive. I think it is one of the unwritten rules of the top five list is um, ease of acquisition. And I'm not going to recommend something that people just can't go out and click a button and arrive at their house. Right. So in the dive, if I was making my list, right, that's the, the 
um, kind of the breakdown. Okay, what would what's Brad's personal list versus what's Brad's recommendations? Right, the top five pins page is a recommendations page. The dive would not make my top five pins yep. pencils uh, either. So it's just not that much of a game changer. It's it's interesting. I'm glad that it exists, and I hope they keep working on it. Um, I don't need the dive. Um. I, I, I rarely reach for the dive. It's like sitting right here and I like it and every now and then I'll grab it, but I just tend to go for like a skinnier pencil. Like yeah. it's, it's a, uh, it's tough, but, um, the base, your Kurotoga. Yeah, it's great. And like, if you want to argue that that's number one, sure. Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna argue like these top three on the list. I think they're pretty interchangeable. Um, number four is the most underrated mechanical pencil. And it's the Tombow monograph shaker. It feels so good to use. Like it's just built like a tank. It's like six dollars, um, and it's got a shaker mechanism. It's got an oversized eraser, and it's just it looks cool. It works great. I absolutely adore that pencil. And then I couldn't have a recommendations list, kind of like the Fisher Space Pen for the ballpoint list, the Pentel Carry on the mechanical pencils list. I think it gets, I recommend it because I think people should be aware of it, right? People will say, hey, I want to buy a nice mechanical pencil. Okay, well, they're expecting to see something like the Rotring 600 or the Uniball Kurotoga, but hey, this thing over here is just as good as all those, and it's really different, right? It's it's a capped mechanical pencil. It's a it weird is. looking thing. It is, but I think it deserves it. So um, it's just, uh, it's a great, great pencil, and it's only like 15, 16 bucks. Like it's, it's not crazy expensive, right? It's not like a $50 mechanical pencil or anything yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, this list, this out of a lot of the lists on here, this one could be like a, a top 10 mechanical pencils because yeah. I think there's a bunch of good stuff. Like I've left off the Pentel graph gear. There's actually two models of the graph gear that I like. I like the 500 and the 1000. I like the Pentel smash is a smash. personal favorite of mine. The Uni Shift Pipe Lock is a first personal favorite of mine. This Some one of these be. names, man. <laughs> what is going on in mechanical pencils? You say the Why do you Uni think I love Shift this Pipe Lock? Yeah, great name. Poor. It's kind of like the uh, what's the what's the friction oh. I'm about? The Ball Knock Zone. Ball, Ball Knock, knock zone. zone, baby. Yeah, come on. That review's coming up. We'll talk about that one next week. I'm going to be reviewing that one next Ball week. Ball Knock so, Zone. Ball Knock Zone. It's on the list. Yeah, it's tapping it into the Ball Knock Zone in in English. Ball Knock Zone. Or was Correct. that just a translation? That's what no. they called it. Correct. Bullnut Zone. Mm. All right. <laughs> so that leaves. <laughs> we should end it there. Uh, that leaves. I need to update the wooden pencils category. I need to make some. I need to work on that one a little bit more. Mm. I need to uh, test out some more things. Um, after that, I think I'm about done uh, with this list. It's been a big, long long project and like it's one of those lists that's as, as soon as you're done you want to redo it again so uh well we're not going to jump right into that immediately but uh maybe not too long mm-hmm. coming soon all right um a couple of other news items and then i want to get to like maybe one stpa this week shout out of the week mike yes. one of the goals one of the goals with doing this was to uh, broaden 
the scope outside of blogs, which was the original idea of this. So, you know, we can have YouTube channels, we can have podcasts. This time I want to do shout out an Instagram account. And this is from uh, Clarissa at many of you might know as the Snowy Studio. So I got to meet Clarissa at the San Francisco Pen Show. She was just a joy to be around. And her Instagram feed is just drool worthy. Right. Mm-hmm. So like these are the kind of accounts and shout outs like I want to give to people to go, hey, check this out if you haven't seen this before and maybe give them a follow. In this case, it's Instagram. Some other cases, it might be a podcast. Sometimes it might be a blog. Sometimes it might be a YouTube channel. So it's fun to be able to mix in and show like all of these great accounts, like all these great Instagram accounts that we talk about. Um, from some sometimes, so go check out the Snowy Studio on Instagram, and big shout out to Clarissa, who is who has been uh, like super awesome to finally meet and get to talk to on occasion. So she's great. Um, we obviously had a big world event with the earthquake in Turkey uh, Turkey, this Turkey week. Syria. Uh, Turkey and Syria, yep. just a huge, huge, just horrible event, just uh, very disastrous. One of those just like absolutely can't wrap your head around mm-hmm. kind of thing. It's horrific, just a horror, it, uh, an absolute and ongoing. Yeah. Like it's not stopping, right? No. There's just aftershocks. And, and in our little world, you know, I know a lot of people are fans of Galen Leather and they have reached out to say that everything is fine with them. Um, and I just wanted to point that out because I've gotten a lot of emails. Hey, have you heard from Galen Leather? Hey, what's going on? And you know, I didn't want to inundate them uh, with questions, and I didn't know exactly where they were located in the country. Um, you know, in relative to like the epicenter. Um, but they're safe and sound, and they're just trying to process it all right now. So they've made an update on Instagram. I just wanted to point that out for everyone who has been asking and uh, keeping them in their thoughts. And uh, they're going to be coming out with some um, some information on how you can help um, in in the coming days and weeks. You know, once they you know once they get uh, back on their feet and just you know wrapping their head around like the seriousness of the situation in that part of the world. So uh, our thoughts are definitely with them. So I wanted to make sure to to point that out. So uh, you know, uh, it's something to uh, something to think about. Yeah. Um, lastly, the California pen show is coming up this weekend. This is the new California pen show, uh, outside of LA or it actually in LA, I think it's by the LA airport. So this is the new owner, new promoter of the show. So I'm looking forward to hearing from, uh, attendees and vendors alike, how this show is going. I have high hopes for it. Um, knowing who's involved with it. And it looks like it's getting uh, some good feedback. I know a lot of people are planning on attending, a lot of vendors planning on going. So I look forward to hearing more from that uh, in the coming weeks. I know Kimberly, from who, who writes for the Pen Act, will be out there. So we'll have uh, we'll have some feedback from the show from her directly. And I know she doesn't hold yep. back. So uh, I look forward to getting her feedback and hearing from anyone else who's at the show. So if y'all have any feedback, uh, definitely let us know. All right, before we finish today, I have an OSTPA question you wanted to get to from Andrew. Andrew says, when selling pens, how do you approach pricing when the pen was obtained at remarkable price? If it was a gift or free, can you sell it? This is a great question. And I told Andrew I would tackle this on the show this week because I'm getting ready to sell a bunch of pens mm-hmm. um, uh 
from my collection. So the number one thing to keep in mind when I talk about this is my rules only apply to me, right? I'm in a unique situation. So, you know, I am, I have a lot of access. Um, I'm sometimes able to get deals and discounts. Sometimes I get given things. I'm also don't buy and sell pens for a living, right? So my job is not, I'm not a pen salesperson, right? I'm not looking at the market, buying products to resell, right? I'm buying things to test out, see if I enjoy them for myself, you know, keep a lot of them. And then sometimes, you know, a pen doesn't fit my particular needs. I'm fine selling pens, but I'm not ever, I don't ever buy products looking to sell them. Sometimes you kind of fall backwards into some really good deals uh, that you don't really intend to at the time. And sometimes something happens like with Conid, right? Um, Like I have a Conid that I bought at like a completely fair price. I don't use it. And now guess what? Like I didn't know that Conid was gonna pretty much vanish from the earth and the price of these pens went through the roof, right? So how do I price something like that? Another example would be, um, which prompted Andrew's email is like, I bought a pen at an auction for like a very low price compared to what it sells for on the open market. So how do I approach this? So let me tackle the last part of his question first, which is the easiest part. If it was a gift or free, can that be sold? My rule for me says no. Those are always pens that I give to people or use for giveaways. I have never sold a pen that I've gotten for free for anything. Like that is like that is a hard fast rule um for me personally uh-huh. right if i was given the pen it can never be sold for money i can use it for a giveaway and give it away to somebody yeah right or anything like that um but i will never ever under any circumstances sell a product that was given to me for free so that one's easy um The second part is the price question. So there's two different kind of things. One is sometimes I can buy a product at a discount, right? So let's say I buy a $200 pen for $150, right? Whatever, like someone, you know, gave me a discount or whatever. I will resell that pen at close to like the price. I will base how I sell that pen on what I paid for the pen, right? So if it's a $200 pen that I paid $150 for and I've used it a little bit and, you know, I might sell it for like $125. Like I don't ever, I'm not looking to ever necessarily make money on the pens that I sell. I mean, of course, I don't want to, I'm not going to sell it for $50, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But like I don't try to, I will never kind of take those discounts to my advantage if I go to resell a pen, right? That's not something I would ever do. It's just like that that's the gift or free part. Like it's just not negotiable, right? I got a good deal. I'm going to pass the good deal on if I go to sell this pen. And then kind of the third category is, hey, I got a pen at a remarkable price. So like the Conid example, I paid full retail price for that pen. It just so happens that now that pen is just like shot up in value for whatever reason right? Inaccessible type of thing that people like, or like, I just like lucked into like a good auction price. I will, it's not as defined, but I kind of tend to split the difference there, right? So 
I will never try to capitalize fully on the hype price of a pin that I paid like a normal price for, right? Let's say I bought a Conid for $400 and now they're selling them on eBay for $1,200. Well, I might sell it for like $700, right? Because I'm going to get more than I paid for it. And I'm not going to like sell mine for like $350 all of a sudden, but I'm going to put a reasonable price, reasonable non-price gougy price on it just because of like, I don't need to, right? It's, I'm not in the pin selling business. I don't, I'm not out here trying to extract every dollar I can in a pen sale, right? But like some people who run, say like a, a used pen business or like a resale pen business, I'm not talking about a retailer, right? I'm talking about just someone who like buys and sells pens, like in the secondary market, like they would be trying like, and have every right to try to extract the most value out of their purchase to their sale price, right? I have never been in that, that um, you know, situation. That's not something I'm trying to do. So I've bought a pen at a fair price. I've enjoyed it for a while. For whatever reason, it doesn't work for me. And if it happens to have like all of a sudden been like a really expensive pen, like I'm not going to go out here like at the top of the market. I'm going to, I'll charge something like much lower than you would expect, but still much higher than like I paid for it. That's just kind of how I look at those things. So I hope that's just kind of a general answer to that. That I hope I, I handled, um, the question appropriately if you have more questions about that let me know or some more specific instances yeah. but that's generally how i and again this is literally only my rules right like it's just that's just the way i operate with this type of stuff you know i'm not a retailer i'm not trying to you know ex- extract the most profit from a pen like in a resale business or anything like that i'm just trying to like if i was if I had good fortune, I'm trying to pass the good fortune on to someone else is generally how I look at it. But this is something, you know, if you want to know more about it, want to get more kind of thoughts about it, then you can send in some feedback and go to penaddictfeedback.com, yep. fill out the form. If you've got additional questions, you want maybe more answers or maybe, I don't know, maybe people looking for advice for themselves rather than just what your mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. approach is. It's always a good place to go. And you can send in your Ask TPA questions there. Always, penaddictfeedback.com is a great place. You can email longer questions to uh, hello at penaddict.com. Uh, yeah, you, if you need us you need us to be part of your documentary, that's where you email us. You have to give context <laughs> for this now. I'm going to read an email that me and Brad received. Well, that Brad received it and he forwarded it on to me. Where is this? Oh, my God. I've got like a thousand emails today. All right. Uh, (laughs) Hello, my name is Blank, and I'm a researcher at Blank. We are currently producing a documentary on King Charles for National Geographic. I'll say that part. While searching for archival media, I came across your podcast episode 531, Royal Pen Content, about the (laughs) leaking pen incident that King Charles had. We are interested in licensing a portion of this episode for use in our show. The network requires we get usage rights, blah, 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 blah. We're on a bit of a tight budget and be willing to pay to license this clip. Additionally, if you do have any other audio clips on the challenges Charles will face when becoming king, (laughs) specifically how he will handle Andrew, how he was blocked from attending COP, how he will handle the fallout from Harry's book and Netflix show, we may be interested in licensing those as well. Please let me know your thoughts. Now, like, this was going okay, and then it just takes, right. it just really goes off 
the cliff this one yeah yeah it's like two separate emails and one is like hey we ran across this clip we would like to use it they didn't say specifically which clip um i imagine it's not uh, a flattering clip <laughs> to, no. to the king um and then we went into also what are your thoughts on the monarchy yeah. <laughs> it's like no no, no that's not good. really what we no, do here so anyway so yeah that's how we get feedback uh chat so <laughs> penaticfeedback.com hello at penaticfeedback.com if we need to be in your documentary yeah let us know Thank you for listening to this episode of The Pan Addict. If you want to find links and show notes and all that kind of fun stuff, you can go to relay.fm slash penaddict slash 550. If you want to find what Brad's up to, you go to penaddict.com, spokedesign.com, Brad streams three times a week over at twitch.tv slash penaddict. Uh, you can find me uh, here on Relay FM, hosting many shows, and also at cortexmerch.com. Thank you to Pen Chalet for the support of this episode. But most of all, thank you for listening. Until then, say goodbye, Brad. Goodbye, Brad. Goodbye, Brad.